God loves you. God loves you this morning. Father's Day. Dad's Day. Amen? You know, I uh, may have shared this previously, but I, uh, my dad was a mechanic all of his life, and uh, or most of his life. And so he had quite a collection of tools, uh, which I inherited. And every one of those tools that I have ever seen, no matter how large or how small, and he was a uh, heavy equip equipment uh, mechanic for several years, so he had some very large uh, tools to work with. They all have his initials on them. You know, the wooden hammers have it carved, uh, the handles, uh, A.D., uh, and all the handles of his uh, wooden mallets and hammers. And he had this electric pencil that he wrote his initials on all the metal tools, every one of them. So every time I pick up one of Dad's tools, you know, I'm reminded. I'm reminded. And that's a good thing. I was visiting with, uh, with a precious lady uh, here just not too long ago. Uh, she'd probably be embarrassed, but Miss Sister Pat Webb. And she was talking about memories and uh, really encouraged, I thought it was a good idea to encourage the church to write things down. Write them down. Make notes. Make little notes. Uh, store them in a safe place. Pass them on to your children, grandchildren, and, and on down. Bring them to church and share with one another the memories uh, that you have. Uh, I know I'm taking up a little time here, but uh, I remember making ice cream at Grandpa Whitney's house. And Jonesy, down at the gas station in Melbourne, always carried block ice. You could go buy a block, 10, 20, 30 pounds, a block of ice. And we'd take that block of ice to Grandpa's house, and we'd put it in a gunny sack. How many people remember what a gunny, a real gunny sack is? And he had a double-edged axe, you know, the flat side, and we'd take that double-edged axe, and we'd break that ice up in that old gunny sack, and we'd pour it in the, in the ice cream cooler, the freezer. Amen? Get that old rock saw out and, and solder down and go to town. What memories? What memories? Write them down. Share them. Be encouraged. Be challenged is what I hope we are all going to experience today. In a culture that has redefined motherhood, has attempted to redefine fatherhood. Have you ever noticed that when, when the culture gets uh, further and further away from God, they have to replace everything God has done? They have to at least attempt to make it something that God never intended. you got to get God out of it so you take away his patterns. You take away his examples. You, you try to erase his divine plan for humankind and replace it with humankind plans. Today we're going to look at a very imperfect man as the perfect example of being a father. So I would ask, how many of us in here have been imperfect fathers? Don't want to see the hands of the perfect. Because you need to repent. This imperfect man made a lot of mistakes. But he led, he shepherded, he took care of his family. And so I want us to all stand today at the reading of God's word. And let's take a little bite out of the life of Jacob who would become known, even in this chapter, as Israel. 
Genesis 35, verses 1 through 15. God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that you are uh, that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel so that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had and the rings that were in their ears. Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree that was near Shechem. And as they journeyed, a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them, so that they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. And Jacob came to Luz, what that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him. And he built an altar and called the place El Bethel, because there God had revealed himself to him when he had fled from his brother. And Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried under the oak below Bethel. So he called its name Alan Bukuth. God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padamaran and blessed him. And God said to him, Your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. The land that I give to Abraham and Isaac, I give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. Then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him, and Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone. He poured out a drink offering on it and poured oil on it. So Jacob called the name of the place where God had spoken with him, Bethel. Father, we pray that you would grant to us understanding and application of these words that you have written down for us. May we be blessed by them. May we honor you through them. And we thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In order to better understand this text, we are going to back up just a little. Back in chapter 32, Jacob, our example, had an up-close and personal encounter with God. He received a new name, which is confirmed in our text today. <clears throat> Israel, <clears throat> which means to wrestle or struggle, Jacob wrestled with God. Men, I want you to know today, it's okay if you have doubts. It's okay if you have questions. It's okay if you have fears. God does not want us to ignore them, to push them away. In fact, the way that we grow as a follower of Christ is by embracing the questions, not ignoring them, by facing the fears rather than turning our back on them, by pushing in rather than pushing away. Jacob did that, and he wrestles with God. How many of you have ever wrestled with God? How many of you limp? <laughs> then in chapter 33, he meets his brother Esau. He and his brother have this great reconciliation. 
His brother forgives him for wronging him and taking the birthright when they were younger. At the end of chapter 33, now we're going rather rapidly. We're not hitting every detail, but hopefully the high points. At the end of chapter 33, Jacob buys a plot of land. It's everything that Jacob had ever hoped for and wanted for the last 70 years of his life. It has finally come to fruition, the land that was promised to him back when he was a young boy because he was part of the Abrahamic covenant. The promise of God has been fulfilled. So Jacob sets up his tent, sets out on the front porch in his rocking chair, gets him a glass of lemonade, and kicks back. Oh, that's not in the passage. Everything that he had hoped for. He's got the land. He's got the family. He's got the blessing. He's got the promise. Everything he ever dreamed of. And how many of you know that every story does not end with everybody lived happily ever after? It's not too far from chapter 33 and Jacob had, buy, had purchased the land that one of his daughters, whose name is Dinah, wanders into the town of Shechem. Shechem is not a nice place. It's named after Shechem, son of Hamar the Hivite, which is a city that was named after him, and it's a Canaanite pagan nation, pagan city. And the problem here is that, that, that Shechem was actually not where Jacob was supposed to be. Guys, Shechem is about 20, give or take, 20-plus miles from Bethel. Look how close he was. He was that close. Remember, we had the, the fishing illustration a couple of weeks ago where, where sometimes you're only six feet away from where God wants you to be, cast the net on the other side, the other side of the boat. The difference between failure and success, the difference for Jacob here is 20 miles. If he had gone on to Bethel, he might have been spared what had happened. That's where he wanted to camp out. That's where he wanted to live. But he settled for Shechem. Men, don't compromise. Men, don't settle for less because it's convenient and looks appealing to the flesh. You want to be, we want to be where God wants us to be, period. 20 miles. Maybe he just got tired. Maybe he thought he got a great deal. All we know is that it didn't end well. Jacob would find out his son, Simeon and Levi, had tricked every man in Shechem into getting circumcised. While they were recovering, the two boys killed them all and plundered the city. Talk about revenge. And I wonder where these boys learned trickery. Does anybody know the rest of the story of Jacob? Yeah. Oh, all that to say happy Father's Day. But you know what's interesting? Levi and Simeon are furious that their sister had been taken advantage of in such a horrible way. But you know what's devastating about this? Even though the sons, the brothers were furious and took out revenge on the entire city, Jacob doesn't seem bothered by it at all. Listen. Let me read the end of chapter 34. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have brought trouble on me. Wow. By making me 
stink to the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, the Perizzites. My numbers are few, and they gather themselves against me and attack me. How many times have I said me? I shall be destroyed, both I and my household. But they said, should we treat our sister like a prostitute? Do you see what's happened here? Do you see it? What is Jacob most concerned about at this point? His own reputation. His own reputation. Now, I have set this scene because I just want it to be a warning to us. Because we're going to move into the, to the better part now of the story. Jacob has failed. It's all over. He's done. His error is too, too great to overcome. You see, where there is a lack of spiritual leadership, sin will always fill the void. That void is going to be filled with something, sin and rebellion. It happened to Jacob. It'll happen to us. He advocates his role. He takes his foot off of the gas. He goes into coast mode, and his passive nature leads to pain and suffering for his family. Did I say happy Father's Day? But things are about to change, and we need to move quickly. Things are about to change. God is going to step in. Even after we have failed, God has a plan. And I love the way the passage starts. If I may say it again, God said to Jacob, Arise! Arise! Leave your pity party behind. Get up and go. Gentlemen, it's time to get up and go. It's time to take leadership. When a nation does not want any men to exist, I'm calling everyone in here to be a man. To be a man. Man up. Stand up and go. And how are we going to do it? Let's follow Jacob's sequence of learning through this. Number one, learn, or excuse me, listen carefully. Listen carefully. God said to Jacob, guys, that's powerful. That's powerful. God said to Jacob, arise, and don't just stand there, go up to Bethel and live there. Jacob, you are not forgotten. Jacob, my plans are greater than your mistakes. Listen, Jacob, you have a destiny, and it's in my hands. Arise, men of God. Your destiny is in God's hands. Arise and go to Bethel. The first thing God says to Jacob, arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. But to go to Bethel, the house of God, that's what it means, the house of God. If we see that L in Scripture, that's God. Bethel, or, or Bethel, I, I need to back up. The Bethel is a house, El God. Now he goes to El Bethel, which is God of the house of God. This, it ain't really that confusing. I made it that way, didn't I? Bethlehem, the house of bread, okay? El Bethel, God of the house of of God. Arise, go to Bethel, the house of God. Brothers and sisters, that means we got to leave where we are. That for Jacob, that meant you got to leave Shechem. 
Shechem was a land of great opportunity for Jacob, but it was not where he was supposed to be. He was outside of the will of God. God, you, you remember, was silent in chapter 34. We never heard a thing from God. He was silent. He jumps in in chapter 35. While Jacob is indulging in his own ill-conceived plans, God is silent. When Jacob finds himself standing in the ruins of what, what this misguided adventure he was on, God speaks to him. Whether it is Jacob or you or me, these are always the first steps in going to be where we should be. Stand up and take a stand. First step, get up. Second step, go. Shechem and Bethel are not just physical locations. They represent spiritual conditions. Secondly, after we have listened, let's learn. And we need to learn continually. Make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. You see, the mistakes we, we make make up much of our education in life, don't they? I was doing a little welding yesterday on the kids' little go-kart, and, and I made a mistake. I wanted to make sure that everything was lined up after I had welded on it just a little bit. I want you to know something. I learned that that steel remains hot for a very, very long time. Right there. But I learned. I learned. Remember our previous encounter with Jacob? Go build an altar, a place of remembrance and worship. Remember Remember, Jacob, how I was with you, the Lord says, in your fears. Don't run away from God. Rush towards him. Embrace him, and he will hold you. Isaiah says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will keep you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Listen, Jacob is listening. Jacob is learning. He gets up, and he gets ready, and he's going to go. Lead confidently. Lead confidently. I, I'm telling you guys, we've got we've got nothing but milk toast leaders in America today. Milk toast. Anybody know what that? That's an old saying, isn't it? They're just ooshy gooshy soft and whatever it is. You ever tried to butter a piece of milk toast? But guys. I, I, the culture, and I, I hate to go back to this because I don't like dwelling on what's wrong so much as what's right. If we get it right, we won't have to worry about what's wrong, so we just got to focus on getting it right. Right? Right? Is that right, Tony? Okay, thank you. Lead confidently. So Jacob said to his household. So first God speaks to Jacob. Now Jacob's going to speak to his family and all who were with him. Put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourself and change your garment. Get rid of the idols and get dressed. We're going somewhere. We're going somewhere. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel so that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and hath been with me wherever I was gone. Do you see that confidence? Do you see it? Jacob says, okay, I got it. I got it now. Here's what we're going to do, not because I'm such a great father, but because we have such a great God. There is a renewed boldness in Jacob, a spiritual awakening. He already knows how to run, so let's run with God and fulfill our destiny. Jacob starts with his household. 
And that's where it begins, men, at home. This doesn't mean our children will always follow the way we wish and we will make mistakes. Our responsibility as dads is to lead under the lordship and leadership of Jesus Christ. Leadership begins with submission to authority, just like victory begins with our surrender. Amen? Everything in the spiritual world and God's plan is upside down from the way the world operates. You want to be victorious? Surrender. Surrender. You want to be strong? Admit how weak you are. See, those are the principles of God's plan. Jacob listened. Jacob is learning. Jacob is leading. Now he has to leave. Now he has to leave. So our fourth preaching point, and we're moving right along, is leave our idolatry. Leave our idolatry. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had and the rings that were in their ears. Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree that was near Shechem. Now think about this. All of this time, his family and his, his, all of his people that were with him, the group that was traveling with him, his household, which could be much, much, much larger than just his family, they'd been collecting idols. Did you see? See what happens when you live in a pagan nation long enough? All of the stuff begins to look appealing and compromise start being made. Brothers and sisters, that's what's happening in the church today in America. It's looking at the culture, and the church is beginning to say, well, maybe we don't need to stand for this. Maybe we don't need to stand for that. Maybe being popular is better than being profoundly sound doctrinal. Please understand we cannot compromise the principles that God has given us because they're right, they're pure, they're holy, and they will work. Somebody say amen. God's principles will work and they are good and right. And if we are going to be men of God, we must be men. Not something in between. Not something you feel like. Be what and who God has created you to be. And God made man and God made woman and we were made in his image. What a beautiful thing. What a perfect plan. So they gave to Jacob their foreign gods. You see, you have not really put Shechem behind you if you're carrying the false gods of Shechem with you. You have not really embraced Jesus Christ until you have smashed the idols of your life. Leaving involves not only packing, but unpacking, getting rid of that which does not need to go with us. Many persons have tried to come to Christ while keeping the gods of Shechem in their pockets because Jesus stubbornly demands our complete allegiance will never be out of Shechem until Shechem is out of us. Amen. Have you ever truly left where you were? Have you truly rejected all the false gods of your past? And I'm not going to name them because they appear in a gazillion different forms and different things that we hang on to that keep us from being totally free in Christ. What all this adds up to is transformation. To come to God is to be changed. Jacob recognizes this even by receiving that new name, Israel. Do you know what Israel stands for? He who struggles. 
he who struggles. Jacob moves back to Bethel is not moving back is not just a mere move, neither is it self-serving, rather it is life altering. He calls on his family to purify themselves, change your garments, changing clothes and, and is in religion kind of a widespread cultic maneuver, symbolic of, of what it represents, a renewed identity, a renewed identity, but this identity is given to him by God himself. You do not come to God because you want to try something new. Don't do it because you are bored. I, I, I want to tell you something. I talked to a pastor one time. Actually, it was in a group of pastors. And we were going around sharing our testimonies. And this is many, many years ago. And finally got the one pastor and, 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 and uh, well, I guess you call him a pastor. He was standing in the pulpit of a church. But he said, well, basically, basically, I did this and I did that. And, and don't take this personal, Marshall, but I remember him saying that the last thing he did was sold insurance. Well, I'd cause anybody to repent. <laughs> but but it's, it's, it's interesting. He just decided he'd try preaching for a while. He'd had several other jobs. So he thought he would just try preaching for a while. Brothers and sisters, that's, that's a tragedy beyond our understanding. You don't try. To be a spiritual man, you give up and become a spiritual man in Christ. You do not come back to God because of something you want to try. You come back to God because the Spirit convicts us so heavily we can't go anywhere else but to Christ. Ephesians 5, Paul writes about the transformation. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Jacob calls for his family to change their clothes. But it wasn't about the clothes. It was about their hearts. Who knows how they were dressed? Were they dressed in the pagan attire of the Canaanites, wearing all the pagan jewelry? We know they were. Carrying all the pagan idols in their pockets? Folks, they had to strip down buck naked before they could get dressed in the righteousness of Christ. Amen? Can I say buck naked? Spiritually speaking, please. please. I think I, we've been down this road before, haven't we, Patrick? Yeah. And then Patrick had the audacity to pull it out of context and print it. That the pastor in Overbrook, Kansas, had called his congregation to get buck naked. Spiritually speaking, we need to get rid of everything that represents our past. Everything. Location, location. Not only true in the business world, but true in the spiritual world. Are you ready to leave where you are and the things that are keeping you there? Listen, learn, lead, leave, and number five, live. Live victoriously. 
And as they journeyed, a terror from God fell upon the cities that were all around them. So they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. And Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan. He and all the people who were with him. And there he built an altar and called the place El Bethel. Because there God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. And Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died. And she was buried near the oak at Bethel. So he called its name Alan Bukuth. So God appeared to Jacob again. When he came from Padamaram and blessed him, and God said to him, Your name is no longer Jacob. It will be called Israel. And God just said, I am the God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply the journey, the presence of God. He and all the people arrived together and worshiped together. Bethel, El Bethel. God Almighty shows up in verse 11. That's El Shaddai, Psalm 23, 6. We'll talk about Bethel. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Guess what that is? Bethel. Psalm 27. One thing I have asked of the Lord and shall seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of life. Bethel. It's a common word used in the scripture. Part of being changed is coming to value what we previously did not. And quit valuing what we should never have valued in the first place. But I want you to notice a reoccurring theme in our text. And by wrapping this up, this is very important. A reoccurring theme in this text. Let me just read some text. And God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel, so that I may make an altar to the God who answers me in the day of trouble. And Jacob went to Luz, that is Bethel in the land of Canaan, he and all his people who were with him, and they built an altar there and called it El Bethel. Then God went up from him to a place where he had spoken to him, and Jacob set up a pillar in a place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone. He poured out a drink offering and poured oil on it. Every one of these things, every one of these places ended up in worship. Worship. Every time we turn around, Jacob is building an altar. Every time we look, he's doing something, an act of obedience and love to the God who had rescued him, and he's worshiping. One of the ways to determine that if you were where God wants you to be is a desire to worship. To worship. I know personally when I'm not living in obedience and fellowship with the Lord, my worship is the first thing to suffer. My worship. Sometimes not even wanting to praise the Lord. Because, see, you cannot truly participate in praise and worship while you're living outside of the will of God. So if you don't like to praise and worship, you might want to check your address and see where you're living. Arise, leave Shechem, and relocate to Bethel. In Shechem... God was silent. In Bethel, God appears and reminds Jacob of his place in God's great covenant plan of redemption. In other words, to go home to God is to embrace your place in God's great work in the world. Shechem is the place of human falseness, of scheming, and it ends in ruin. Bethel is the place of divine plan and it ends in joy. 200 years, 23 chapters into this covenant experience, 
find everything still intact. Though there has been no shortage of scrapes and bruises along the way, a dozen times God's covenant has dangled by a single thread, but God has been faithful and his sovereign grace has been sufficient and he stands with arms wide open welcoming his wayward children. Come out of Shechem, come to Bethel, the house of God. Listen, learn, lead, leave. Live. I want to challenge the men here today and those who are listening online. Real men are godly men. They have learned who to trust and to rest under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Real men are strong men because they know how weak they are without Christ. And they know where their strength is comes from. Real men are victorious men because they have surrendered. Real men love, honor, and respect their wives. Real men protect and provide. Real men love the Lord supremely. Real men of God know how to listen, learn, lead, and leave when necessary so that they may live for the glory of Christ. Arise, men of God, go up to Bethel. Father, we thank you for the word today. Father, I thank you for every man here today. I'm reminded of the words of an old preacher. He longed for a day when men were men and women were glad of it. Father, we need men of God to lead their families, their household. And Father, I am going to pour out today the invitation to every man here. It is, it is a special altar call that if you're not where God wants you to be spiritually, then today would be a good day to move. Rise up, go up to Bethel, the house of God. And Father, there may be fathers here today that are struggling. They're struggling. They've made mistakes, and they can't seem to get over them or past them. And Father, you know that I, I have struggled personally with that. So Father, I pray that if there's any men that are held captive by the past, past errors, I pray that they come to know that your plan is greater than their mistake. So, Father, whatever you would accomplish today, you will receive all glory, honor, and praise, for you alone are worthy in Jesus' name.